Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're uh, we're going to deviate um, because in my journey, I started to really pray and try to figure out what's going on with my spirit. And so I started to search the Bible for spirit. And uh, let me let me explain to you and tell you what I found. But before we do that, let's go ahead and uh, just pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many blessings you bestowed on us. And I pray most of all, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by all that is done and said and explored here. I pray that my spirit would grow and that you'd be honored. I pray that you would be the focus of worship, of my worship, each and every moment of my life. Not just as I do the podcast and not just as I go to church and not just as I pray, but that I would be constantly praying and that I would be constantly in the spirit bringing you glory and living for you, having that life that really does honor you. And it does show that it does explain or live for you and have your, you as the, as the one that I truly, truly care for and love. I pray for this time in Jesus name. Amen. So I'm trying to wrap my head around a little bit of what's just gone on. Um, I started to read and prepare for Revelations 19. And one of the pieces of the scripture that, or the one of the pieces of the uh, exploring I was doing was I started to look at um, Tozer. Tozer had some writings on, on chapter 19. And it was pretty limited, actually. And but it was really pretty cool and it was all about it was all about one verse and one very small verse and so as i started reading it my heart really just kind of started to ask you know where am i because i've been feeling this gnawing at my heart and at my spirit that my spirit's not in the right place that even though I feel much closer to God on a daily basis, I don't feel like I'm really where I need to be with him. And so with that thought, I just started researching spirit and looking at the Bible. And one of the things I know from my own personal just experience is the... uh, you know, concepts on the, on the spirit. And one of the thoughts I had is I spent so many years not living for God. And yet the spirit, you know, God made me, I'm, I'm in his image. So I'm a spiritual being. I've accepted him. He's in my life. Um, I've been forgiven and the Holy spirit dwells in me. But I spent decades not recognizing him and not living for him. So what does that do to my spirit? How shrunk and micro has it become? 
So I really started to think about that and wonder about that element. And so I started searching on it. And one of the things I, I know is that I forget, I think it's either Paul, I think it's Paul who talks about praying constantly in the spirit, right? So the only way you can really do that is if you truly, if your spirit really is lifted up, if it really is strong and huge, otherwise it's this task, right? So then I started reading, thinking about, well, in Revelations 1, John is telling us this, this revelation that he's had. But in Revelation 1, it's, he, was in, he was praying in the Spirit when it all occurred. And then I started reading Tozer. And he picked out one scripture. Um, and he started talking about for the Lord, it's in chapter six or verse six, and it's hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns. And he starts talking about the definition of almighty and whatnot. And that's really just a fact. God reigns. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He reigns. He rules the world. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He created everything. And he rules and he reigns. And so I then started going off of that. I said, well, let's see what I can find in the Bible about spirit. So he again picked a, a little tiny piece here in Genesis, Genesis seventeen three. It's only about seven words or eight words. And it says, Abraham fell face down and God said to him. You see, that passion, that commitment is huge. And that's an indication of Abraham's spiritual energies that he had. And he saw, he saw God. He communed, he accepted God. He communed with him. And something that's missing right now in my own life. And so it really gets into the, the enthusiasm for the spirit because Abraham was enthusiastic. He, you know, God was there. He fell face down. God's with me right now. He's with you. Are we face down? So I started reading through this and, and, uh, you know, Tozer, he's pretty harsh on modern day Christians. And I, I understand it. I don't disagree with him. He lists out four reasons or principal causes to why the Christian today is kind of lacking in moral enthusiasm for God. And I'm not going to go through them all with you right now. But the first is a deadened sense of sin in the church. The church doesn't really talk too much about sin like in the old days. Repent, sin. You got to change who you are. You can't keep, you know. If you keep looking at porn, even after you've accepted Christ, is that right? If you keep lying, cheating, you can't. there has to be a demonstrable difference in your life. So, and then there's like, when people do accept God or Christ, what's their conviction? How intent are they? Is it a radical repentance and acceptance? Or is it, just something that's just kind of 
yeah, it's kind of cool. Doesn't mean that they're not saved, just is there the enthusiasm? Is it a transforming conversion? So, you know, you think about that. And, okay, so you don't really have much concern about sin. You don't have a radical conversion. So then the next thing is, do you even have an experiential encounter with God? Do you really have that encounter where you see him? You know, the Bible talks about the heavens opened up for a lot of these believers. Or it talks about Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. Is there that experiential element with us? And I'm looking at it for myself. And I'm thinking right now, no, there has been. But over the decades of doing my own thing, I've shrunk that spirit. So then it gets down to the fourth cause. He gets the fourth cause. And, it, and I'll just read it to you. The fourth cause of our lack of moral enthusiasm, as I see it, is the absence from our experience of an object for the heart's devotion. <clears throat> the great spiritual souls of other days had such an object. In the Old Testament, they were frankly and unashamedly in love with the Most High God. And when he became flesh and dwelt among us, he came still nearer to the hearts of his people. Paul's heart exploded into a burning volcano of love for the Lord Jesus. It was this, and not his theology alone, that made him the fiery spirit it was. So then I go back to the, the verse that we read recently, which is, Blessed are those who believe in him and love him without having seen him. But we do see him, and we do have experiences with him. It's just whether or not my experience recently, after 20 years or 15 years, whatever it's been, it's been a long time of blowing him off. When was the last time I truly experienced God? So that's where I went today, and I got on my hands and my knees. And I didn't see God, but I felt him. I feel him right now. And it's not because I'm tired or because I'm breathing deeply or anything physically. He's with me. I hear him. And so whether or not, and I want, to, I want more. And that's a big difference today. I want more. My spirit's longing for more time with him. And that's really the difference of the past and then today. So with that said, <clears throat> excuse me, let's go ahead and get into 19. Because at the end of the day, we're going to, um, let's just, let's just get into it. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, Tozer has some pretty good words about it too. And I think it'll be a good, good reading. Again, Tozer picks out, <laughs> he picks out some of the, the most, uh, interesting pieces. I'll tell you. Um, anyway, so verse nine, chapter 19, verse one. After, I heard, after this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his, are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth 
by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Verse 9. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that one, no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of, of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. So, pretty anticlimactic, right? The armies behind the rider weren't even necessary. Because if we remember back up in, in verse 6, it says, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. He doesn't need backup. He doesn't need anything. He is, and he reigns. He's the creator of all, and he has made all things. So obviously that is the battle at, at Armageddon. And the reality is not much of a battle. All of the forces of the nations were, were aligned against him. And he made short work of them. Praise be to God.
So I'd like to go through real quick just what Tozer had to say on Revelations 19.6. There's, there's one line in there in particular that I thought was Im- impactful. So where it says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our God Almighty reigns. He states, Out of a shining jewel case of luminous text of the omnipotence of God, and there's many, I have chosen four. To Abraham, then called Abram, God said, I am God Almighty. Genesis 17.1 Our Lord Jesus said, positively, With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19.26 And the angel who appeared to Mary turned it around and said it negatively. For no word from God will ever fail. Luke 1.37 Finally, we hear the voice of the great multitude. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. And we know that's Revelations 19. I suppose the first thing to do would be to define omnipotence, omnipotence. It comes, of course, from omni, meaning all, and potent, meaning able to do and to have power. And so omnipotence means able to do all and to have all power. It means having all the potency there is. Then we come to a second word, almighty, which is also one of these scripture passages. Now that means exactly the same thing as omnipotent, only it is from the Anglo-Saxon, while omnipotent is from the Latin. In the Bible, the word almighty is used 56 times and is never used about anyone else but God. In our English Bible, the word omnipotence is only used once and it refers to God. And there's a reason for this. Almighty means having an infinite and absolute plentitude of power. So, having an infinite and absolute plentitude of power. When you use the words infinite and absolute, you can only be talking about one person. And that's God. I like that ending because it's true. Infinite and absolute. That is God. I don't have it. I don't have, have infinite anything. Well, maybe that's not true. Maybe I have the ability to ramble on infinitely. But God is the one who has infinite and absolute power, wisdom, everything. So I really like that part and that meaning or that ex, you know exploring that because it's it's powerful. The only one we're talking about when we use those words is God. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and just end this with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you that you opened our hearts. You opened my spirit. You showed me where I'm falling short. But more importantly, you picked me up. You didn't leave me. Instead, you lifted me up. You built me up. And you're growing me. You're not growing me too fast so that I can't handle it. And you're not growing me too slow. And I'm grateful for the way you love me and you interact with me. And I just lift up my friends and I pray you watch over each and every one of them and keep them safe. 
May you be the source of all of their joy and their happiness. And may they focus on you for everything that happens today and tomorrow. May our spirits be open to you at all times. May we pray in the spirit constantly. And may we walk in your ways. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a wonderful day.